0: Hello and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Tanya and I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk
1: shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 93. Today we continue our 2021 Summer Book Club by discussing chapters 5 and 6 of Culturally Responsive Teaching in Music Education from Understanding to Application by Vicki R. Lind and Constance L. McCoy.
0: We'll also be playing some summer fun games and in our Dakota section we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying during our summer break. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. And today we're playing a summer game. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> so um Carrie I was inspired by your BuzzFeed choice of quizzes. (laughs) BuzzFeed quizzes are so fun. Well, you know what? I I will be honest. I was going to do a, like, um, let's listen to children sing one second of a song that we might teach in our classroom and can you identify it? But then I thought that was a little too heady. For a summer game.
1: No, yeah, we want to not think right now. Yeah, at least not in this segment of our podcast. Exactly. We'll
0: think later. We'll, oh, we'll do some thinking for sure. Okay. <laughs> so this BuzzFeed feed quiz does have some visuals, and you're you know you can see them. I can see them. Yeah. From there, but I will read them off too. And okay. This is choose between the kid. And grown-up versions of these foods <laughs> to see which drink matches your personality.
1: Oh my! Because I'm gonna be embarrassed by some of my answers. It's all to this. about the food
0: and drink, and okay. especially, we've got our iced um, cold vanilla. Yeah, vanilla uh, lattes. Vanilla lattes. They yeah. did not have a cold brew at Starbucks. They were out. Oh, that's weird. I know. I was bummed, but that's okay. Okay. All right. What's for breakfast? Whole mm. grain Cheerios, granola, Fruit Loops, or Lucky Charms?
1: Granola. Really? If i had to choose
0: is that your real choice i don't
1: really eat much breakfast to be honest with you i'm okay. a smoothie person
0: but all right fine. keep going best sandwich yeah. cookie oreos or chocolate macaroons um i'm gonna say oreos <laughs> <laughs> they are good what's for lunch a lunchable oh. or a charcuterie board oh come on our- a <laughs> charcuterie charcuterie is that how you say it charcuterie. Yes. Sure, Yeah, i always say charcuterie but i think it's charcuterie. you know i
1: recently well, not recently probably within the last five years you know i have children and so i would try to buy them lunchables just because they're cheap oh, God, and they're, they're easy so to throw gross. in a bag they're horrible they and my are. kids don't
0: like them either and they're so processed yeah oh.
1: because yeah i I you I could don't build your buy... own
0: lunchables better if you wanted
1: well right and we don't buy like american cheese ever so my kids think it's the weirdest tasting thing ever yes so So i think we
0: all go for the charcuterie 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 board yeah oh yeah best pizza oh we had pizza just the other day uh pepperoni fig and goat cheese margarita or classic cheese
1: you know this is hard because it depends on my mood sometimes i want like all right well okay it's fine i'm thinking too hard um I would say margarita if I could like only eat one for the rest of my life. Oh. Like the fancy one with like basil on it and stuff. Oh, I love the basil. Yeah. All
0: right. Chicken. Ooh, chicken tenders or dino nuggets? Oh, oh chicken geez.
1: tenders again. The processed
0: Yeah. Best. Cheesy pasta. Parmesan black truffle. ta-ta- ta- ta- Oh, how do you Tag pronounce that? tagliatelle. Yes, right?
1: That's right. Yes. You know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Or mac and cheese. Well, mac and cheese. <laughs>
1: I mean, I like that other kind of fancy stuff. I made something like that last night, actually. I made like a pesto cream pasta. Ooh, good for you. It's really good. We
0: had burgers on the grill.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good, too.
0: Uh, Pick a sandwich. Mm. Avocado sprout, grilled cheese, (laughs) PB&J, or ice cream sandwiches. Why did they do that? Or croissant sandwich, or club Oh, that's a lot of sandwich choices. a lot of sandwich choices. Club sandwich, croissant sandwich, ice cream sandwich, PB&J, grilled cheese, avocado sprout. Why is ice cream sandwich even that in there? doesn't seem fair? Okay,
1: um, I would actually say club sandwich. Really, I love club sandwiches. All right, with Too bacon and
0: bread. And... Well,
1: uh, yeah, it, it is, but that's why it's good.
0: How about some crackers? Animal oh. crackers, digestive biscuits. What the heck are digestive okay. biscuits? Okay, it sounds bad, but it's so good. It's these like, kind of not shortbread exactly, but they're like these biscuits, as in England, um, ah, biscuits cookies. that are really cookies and they're just a tad sweet and um, they're not shortbread but oh they're so good
1: i mean i have to say animal crackers just because
0: by default i haven't had the other one okay well i would say digestive biscuits (laughs) okay uh how about a sweet treat s'mores or tiramisu honestly s'mores
1: any day that's like literally my favorite dessert oh in the world
0: we were gonna do s'mores last night and we were too tired oh because we have a we have a well, little fire pit in the back and yeah
1: i mean it, it's work but then that's why they're so good because you know you, you only have it. them when you worked for them.
0: it's like eating crab <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> uh pick an ice cream flavor mm. pistachio lavender vanilla or chocolate see you could have had six choices on this one. Oh
1: man you could have a gazillion choices yeah. on that one okay um chocolate oh really uh yeah Okay. I have would go for chocolate anyway.
0: Maybe something else called a Always. milkshake, a smoothie bowl, gelato, froyo, Whoa. fudge sundae, popsicle.
1: Mm. Oh. I would say gelato out of those choices. Really?
0: Mm-hmm. I'd go for the milkshake.
1: Yeah, I was torn between the two.
0: Finish the day off with a glass of wine, grape juice, <laughs> margarita, Whoa. lemonade, mocha, hot chocolate. Who drinks mocha
1: at the end of the day? I don't
0: know. Well, um, of Europeans.
1: Oh, well, so wine, yeah. Okay, we'll <laughs> go with the wine. Yep. Okay. Oh. Well, how interesting.
0: Uh, <laughs> okay, what's my... Your your drink is milkshake. Yeah? You're super bougie and extra.
1: Because <laughs> that's how I describe You're myself. You're definitely
0: not afraid to stand out from the crowd and make a bold first impression. Everyone envies your confidence. I super bougie and extra oh wow that's how i'm going to describe you from here on out that is not how i met my friend carrie she is super bougie and extra
1: now i will admit if we were to add a little booze to that milkshake then it would be boozy and extra yeah (laughs) get
0: it get it did you take this quiz yourself i did not i was i wanted it to be fresh for you
1: oh okay well
0: i'm just curious what you got i don't know but i feel super bougie and extra (laughs)
1: always (laughs) Okay, so I just paused the recording so Tanya could take the the quiz. And Tanya, what'd you get? I'm also a milkshake. <laughs> You're super also bougie. bougie and
0: extra super bougie.
1: We are super bougie.
0: Yeah, and I swear, and I I was honest and I did different choices, so I don't. And you get still it. got
1: it. It's rigged. I
0: wonder if there's like a not super bougie and extra milkshake.
1: We'll post the quiz <laughs> on our uh, show notes, and you guys take it too and and let us know what you come up with. Totally. So we are continuing our summer book club, and once again, we are reading Culturally Responsive Teaching and Music Education from Understanding to Application by Vicki Arlind and Constance L. McCoy. We are now in the application section of the book, Yay. so we are talking today about chapters five and six. So, starting with chapter five, which is titled Applications in the Classroom, Yeah. Um at the end of each chapter they always give a nice little summary so I'm looking at that right now and the what this chapter provided is stories Mm -hmm. and vignettes. And and a reminder
0: again and we've said this and we've talked this and preached this and know this. It's all about the relationships.
1: Yes. Yeah. So there are lots of stories all about that, about how you develop those relationships with your students, reflecting on your own cultural conditioning as they refer to that in the book and how it affects our teaching basically yep. um how we get to know our students how we set up our classroom environments and thinking about the bi-directional nature of learning so students learning from teachers and vice versa right so that's established obviously on mutual respect and then um talking about the materials and resources that you bring into your classroom as yes. well yes so you know same same story but just um different version of the story meaning that we heard lots of in this chapter lots of stories and vignettes and quotes from teachers um and my biggest takeaway and I know we always talk a little off mic just because we can't help ourselves Mm -hmm. but I think Tanya and I both felt like there was nothing too groundbreaking and new but in a way that's reassuring
0: right yeah it is and you know what I think that um maybe uh well when this book was written it was a little bit more Groundbreaking and new the understand like the understanding of the importance of all of these things not just the relationships but you mentioned like examining our own cultural biases yeah biases Bi- yeah yes that's newer yes I think yes. And the awareness of that is um, hasn't been or talked about much hasn't been in, in circles that I've been in at least right in fact I think it's still kind of in our district. Um, I think that's still kind of a push that we're trying to get people to examine. We did in our book club that we did this past, our, our other book club. And w- within our school district. Within our yeah. school district. But so the people there who showed up for the book club, they were aware. Mm-hmm. But we've got a district of like 92 elementary schools and, you know.
1: There were only eight of us there yeah
0: exactly
1: I think the part that to me felt the most familiar which again is a good thing is this whole idea of the the relationship building because it is it's such an overlap with what we talked about last summer with social emotional learning in Mm -hmm. the book club we did last summer oh yeah which again just brings up the importance of social emotional learning but within the context of culturally responsive teaching yes and we talked a lot about that last summer about the if you're not aware of the culturally responsive piece, the social-emotional piece can be built on your own biases and your own position. Totally. And, and then that's not serving your students in the way that you intend for it to. No.
0: Taking the time to know the story behind the behavior, the attitude, the whatever. Yeah positive or negative and that the makes behaviors all the
1: in your culture might not look the same as the behavior in a culture that's different than your own exactly and that doesn't mean they're acting out or disrespecting you it just means there's different social cues and expectations right
0: i'm thinking about that that the one vignette about the band director teacher mm-hmm. who had um hispanic students who were like uh, oh hey, you don't hug us you don't that? touch us yeah. Is that what about? yeah yeah he's saying." And, and the students are like, "You don't you're not um, encouraging us and and you don't like us. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm always saying, good job and And as a male teacher, he had been told, don't touch the students right. He, my husband being an elementary art teacher, this is something that he is very aware of, and he's you know mentions that he was taught too. It's like, always have the door open if you're talking to you know a smaller group or mm-hmm. one-on one with a kid. Never touch a student. like if they come at you. <laughs> to hug give them the, the side the hug yeah <laughs> yep. and all of this and like i understand why that's there yeah however like who i mean like this one teacher was talking about he didn't know that with his hispanic students if he wasn't if he wasn't patting them or hugging them then it didn't mean anything yeah they took that as, as a different thing
1: yeah I'm gonna be very um in tune to that when I go back to school in the I am too but I've never noticed that but that doesn't mean it's well, not he there he
0: mentioned that like and he doesn't do it with his white students right because I think that with I mean I'm making a big generalization it depends yeah on where you are of it depends course. on your community but I think a lot of times especially men touching Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's upper arm mm-hmm. or shoulder, it's considered um, a come on. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. And sad. So, something that I, I appreciated, um, and this happens in both of these chapters that we're talking about today, is there's always kind of some bullet points with specific strategies. And again, a lot of those are um, not necessarily new or groundbreaking. One strategy that I appreciated them mentioning in strategies to getting to know your students on page 87 you know and this is something I know I've done and you've done Tanya giving your students complete a profile of Mm -hmm. them in their musical life what music they're interested in, what musicing they do outside of school. But what was new to me was asking parents to fill out a similar question. Yeah, I
0: thought maybe that needs to be my next step for this coming year, especially since we are not as COVID locked down as yeah. we have been. Like maybe it's time for me to, to really just put it out there and right. feel like and, and not even like attach any expectation to it, but just like invite just parents to share. Right. But just to say what what's going on musically yeah. in your family. And this would
1: be a great way to identify Identify culture bearers that you might not be aware were there if unless you know you asked so right yeah I thought that was pretty cool and then um, later on in the strategies for oh there we go strategies for acknowledging ethnic and cultural diversity in music instruction on page 98 mm-hmm. um one that we were talking about off mic is this idea of uh, making a point of attending community events that feature music outside of your area no 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 not that sorry it was attending like attending, athletic events Oh that's and... probably back in the last one sorry oh, okay I'm jumping ahead yes attending events of your students athletic events this is back in getting to know your students on page 88 mm-hmm. so ignore what I just said two seconds well ago. okay so
0: I'm going to back on that (laughs) because in one of my teacher communities that i teach in one of my schools um, i think it would be seen as kind of weird if i just randomly showed up up. to johnny's baseball game or something yeah i could see like people from the community going what's going on why (laughs) why are you here
1: and in my community it's not weird at all i've attended track meets and soccer games from my students and granted these are students that I've known the families a little longer or there might be like multiple siblings in one family or in our situation like we have a soccer team that's like sponsored by the school and then they play against another school Uh so then it makes sense for the teachers to go to those events because it's almost like a school sponsored thing wow yeah Um, we don't have I will say I haven't done a lot of this but I've done it here and there
0: right and then the other reason that I'd push back on it is like well if you teach 300 plus students how how do you how do you make those choices how do you make that work right right and and i'm I'm not trying to be throwing up defenses and throwing up well this won't work because of we have to be pragmatic yeah and say okay but when you teach x amount of students you know a lot of students how do you make those choices um Exactly.
1: Well, right. And, yeah, I mean, we have to balance our, our work-life balance is really important. Well, no, Sometimes we just need thing. our weekends to be with our own families. Yeah, and, some, some and... of
0: the suggestions I was like, wait a minute. Um, I mean, I'm trying to walk this line of taking care of myself mentally, physically, and all of that. Yeah. And also being an awesome teacher that makes awesome relationships um, with students. And, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily got to it's it's a hard thing to balance yeah
1: totally um another little bullet point section i appreciate on page 92 and 93 strategies for creating an instructional environment that welcomes and value, values diversity i think this is something that i know i haven't thought as much about as maybe some of the other topics like what is physically in my room right that creates that environment i have
0: been thinking about this and you know it it goes a little bit beyond making sure that your hand sign charts show more than one color of skin. Well, the, right. but that's important. But it's also, you know, in the the, the book literature that you're using, mm-hmm. making sure that you have, um, your students can see themselves. Yeah. Right, in the things that you're doing. But also, like, I have walked around my school mm-hmm. and and looked and and seen and it's very interesting Yeah, depending on what area of the school I'm in um, yeah so there's work to be done there and that's like a, a school effort too right
1: I, well yeah. in one of the stories it talked about just a simple matter of like when the students were coming in and getting their, their folders or whatever the teacher noticed that it, everything was bunched into a corner which led to students pushing and shoving and getting physical and so if it's just a matter of being proactive and saying well I'm gonna make sure my class flows in a way that allows students to comfortably move around and not feel like they're getting in each other's space which which can then cause confrontation mm-hmm. like that's really important when you're setting up your classroom in the beginning of the yeah. year and
0: I do do that especially because I before I used Before I used sit spots, I used to use a classroom, um, like, Velcro staff Mm -hmm. that kids would sit on. And it started by just me sitting down and making sure there was enough room for bodies. Yeah. And then once I started doing that... I did do more of, like, okay, well, what if I need to go and get a tissue? And, like, okay, what if I'm, I I want to look at the my mindfulness corners? Mm-hmm. Like, is that accessible mm-hmm. to all the students? What about the, the kid who's way over here on the far side? And it's really eye-opening to sit on the floor and do those things. Yeah. And I have not done flexible seating simply because I don't know where to put the stuff. Right, um, I don't have uh, – well, I mean, I guess I would have to really – work hard to make it work with like where to keep the flexible seating
1: yeah well this is a great segue into the question that i was going to select so on page 99 there's questions for discussion and we're kind of already doing number four how would you describe both the physical and emotional environment of your classrooms and i will say for my home school um i wouldn't call it like flexible seating like 100 percent of the time so my my philosophy and and I might rethink this more that I read and consider. Is when we're doing like whole group activities, kids do have assigned spots and we do sit and sit spots on the floor. But when we're doing individual work or small group work, there is more of an opportunity for flexible seating. I have some built-in like riser steps in the back of my room, and then I also have some like IKEA stools that I bought those five dollar IKEA stools, right. and I have enough for every student. And that's where students have the choice to move around, go sit with your group wherever you want. If you want to use a chair for either as like a writing desk or to sit on, you can. Mm-hmm. And um, before COVID. I was really starting to notice students respectfully, you know, and doing a really nice job of taking care of those chairs and those stools and putting them away when they're done. And I really felt like that was a successful step in giving students just that little bit of of choice in feeling more comfortable. Because I know there are some students who don't feel comfortable sitting on the floor. Right. And sometimes I question that about myself, especially with my older students.
0: Well, I've started to not get, um, and see when i see a kid who maybe takes some time while they're sitting on the floor to to like kind of slouch or lay not exactly lay down but lay back cuz yeah, like i get that their too bag. yeah yeah and so i well and this is why i don't use risers as seating because mm-hmm. from day 1 of my teaching career i had to i would go to pds in music rooms where we would all sit on the risers yeah and I hated it, like, yeah. as a grown-up, as an adult. Like, I just feel like I'm too close to people because I've also mm-hmm. got people, like, right uh, in
1: front, in of, front me. of me, mm-hmm. in
0: back of me, to the sides of me. I'm uncomfortable. I can't. I, I feel kind of claustrophobic about it. I can't focus. Yeah.
1: Well, even with my sit spots because of COVID, you know, I spread them out much bigger. And it got me thinking. I was already thinking about next year when I set up my spits. My spit, my spit spots, my sit spots. Um, maybe not quite as big as during COVID times, but bigger than pre-COVID times because I felt like that worked really well for students. But at the same time, it was too big, and then it was difficult, you know, yeah. to like do a quick pair and share because they literally, I mean, oh, these I are know, very technical I, they have to things, get closer. But... And
0: I on on the way over here on the radio, I was listening to a news story about um, the job. Uh, dearth there is now about mm-hmm. how you know we're having problems with with people needing uh, there there's lots of jobs that need to be filled especially in the service industry yeah right? and they were talking to this restaurant owner who said well during COVID times like we super spaced out everything um, when we were allowed to have people come and eat in masks and all that and then we decided that we really liked the feel and we're just going to be a smaller restaurant yeah and we are not that we were really crammed before mm-hmm. and we're not going to put all those tables back and i thought oh my goodness why can't we do that in class oh yeah keep those smaller classes i wish sizes. that we i wish that classroom teachers and music <sighs> art pe teachers could say hey guess what um there were things that we didn't like, but that whole smaller class size, that was awesome. Yeah. Let's keep that. And that's never going to happen.
1: No, because then we need twice as money. many staff members. Right. Um, do you have a, a question, Tanya, on page 99?
0: Well, I mean, you had talked about, you know, what are the barriers and and all of that. Um, and we talked a little bit about that. What beliefs do you have that both hinder and support your ability to to learn from those around you Mm. that's a that's a personal question
1: Tanya okay let me read it again (laughs) they they are all personal questions aren't they I mean I just know that I have a stubborn nature and for a long time being a young white female teacher and what I was taught was to lay down the law right Mm -hmm. and and especially in the schools that the highly impacted schools that I've taught in um I was really encouraged to... Oh, Tanya's got a jazzy text message coming through. Sorry. Uh, No. Um, I was encouraged to really make sure that I was the authority figure. And my students saw me as an authority figure. And the longer I've taught, the more I've realized that that, while it has its place and you have to find that balance... Um, listening to my students and learning from my students has a huge value as well. We know this. But mm-hmm. I'm saying early on in my career, I didn't do that very well. You know, I've I've said phrases to my students, well, when you get your teaching certificate, then you can come back and tell me what you think about this. Right, right. I've said those
0: things. Right.
1: You know, I mean, now I think back and I'm ashamed. But at the same time, that's how we were taught to teach. So, it was, you know, yes. it's the system, but I'm also reflecting on my own choices as an educator and being better about inviting students to teach me things. Right. About, not just about music, but about themselves and culture and, and where they're coming from.
0: I, I totally hear you about finding that balance because I do have knee-jerk things that happen in my brain, right? Yeah. Like, I was thinking about, you know, having that, this timeout desk area. Mm-hmm. And I've used that in the past and to... Uh, one, one of the problems, not problems, but one of the things that I noticed that comes up is that if you provide that and you say, okay, well, you know, here's a, here's a boombox and headphones and you can listen to the ocean waves or if you need to refocus mm-hmm. that. I have worried about kids taking advantage. And I have seen kids taking advantage. Yeah. But then, so immediately I go, so, so, you know, don't open that up to everybody because they will take advantage and it's going to be, no one will be engaged in music. And Mm then I have to stop and go, okay, well, Tanya, if no one wants to be engaged in music, that's more of a me problem. <laughs> right. Than Let's get a to the real problem. That. Okay. If, if I have like half the class who is like, can I be at the timeout desk? Then I got to examine what I'm doing in class. Yep. Secondly, if I have quote, repeat offenders, like kids who are needing to go to that timeout desk like over and over again maybe that's what they need yeah maybe I should let that happen I mean maybe I need to one-on-one with that student and involve like parents or a social worker and and make the a balance of that and Mm -hmm. investigate like how much do you really need how much are you just but like maybe that's okay yeah right so that I have to just I have to push back against my knee-jerk like everybody's taking advantage no one's listening like well
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Well, yeah, it's that same idea when a lesson bombs or something, you know, how quick we are to be like, well, it's the students, they weren't listening, they weren't doing what I was asking them to do. But as I've grown in my career, now my first response truly is, what could I have done better? Was it my lesson? Was it my transitions? Was it, I wasn't giving clear enough expectations? Was I talking too much and they tuned me out? You know, it's, it's back to me. Immediately, right. it's back to me.
0: Exactly. And so now we are on to Chapter 6. Where we're talking about school culture and how, it import- how important it is for the school community to do a school-wide effort to maximize students' academic, emotional, and social potential. And Carrie and I talked way too much off mic about lots <laughs> of things with this. Um, the The frustration that I, and you and I just discussed this, is that some of this is out of our, well, m- much of this is out of our control, yeah. right? Um, especially now that I teach at two schools, I kind of feel like I'm not there for all the decisions. Yes. And then also, I'm sorry to say, as a music teacher, oftentimes I feel like my opinion is valued less hundred percent when it comes to school decisions. Yeah, right. And this is a I don't know if either uh, maybe you can all tell us. I don't know if this happens in other school districts, but it's it's an issue in our district that's been brought up with our teacher union and about the contract like we're trying to make car con- it's all it's all over and done with for for now but right. we've instituted uh contract teacher contract language about art music and pe to try to like shift some attitudes yeah
1: to make sure that our voice is at the table that we to are make sure our is committees. at the table yeah
0: and and even like you know the subtler things like um, we're trying to not use the term specials, right. for example. And we're trying to say AMP for art, music, and PE, right? right? Because we really want it understood that, hey, this is a state-mandated state, dis- state mandated curriculum, mm-hmm. what we're doing. It's not like a choice. So we mm-hmm. don't want to be called electives. We don't necessarily want to be called the arts because it sounds like it's extra. Right. Right? So Just our amp. term is AMP. <laughs> Yeah. And that works for our school district. And it's interesting because I'm still, like, trying to subtly, <laughs> you know, correct. Yeah. Um, and that was something that is in this chapter, and I had highlighted it, um, something about how, oh, how much is there an expectation that we educate other teachers yeah. or that we help other teachers. Yep. And, and that's something that I'm very interested in and involved in like in our school district. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I'm in a role where I can kind of do that because I do mentor all of the music teachers coming into the district. Right. All the first-year music teachers. If it's yeah. their first year teaching, they have to meet with me once a month. Right. Um, in a two-hour community of practice setting. And, you know, I mean, I'm not there to promote any specific – Agenda that is from me. Yeah, I mean it it is dictated from another group within the district, but this is a place for new teachers to ask those questions that they might be embarrassed to ask elsewhere. And it's also a place for music teachers specifically To gather because you feel so isolated. I mean, I've been teaching 25 years and I feel so isolated, right? Yeah. And this is why we find our communities through podcasts and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Kodai chapters, ORF chapters, Eurythmic chapters, workshops, all of those things are really important. But anyway, getting off topic, (laughs) back to creating school culture. um, I'm just going to go back to the questions oh right there's a lot of personal questions about specifics like how is your school culture but let's talk about this do teachers and administrators have different responsibilities in promoting positive change in school culture i mean i think that's
1: a strange question i mean yes because of course we have different responsibilities because we have different roles but Mm -hmm. i think is the question getting at we have equal responsibilities Mm -hmm. i think that's the important part Um, you know, and then what this chapter really brought up for me is just, again, that importance of having a a music art or PE teacher, you know, in an elementary setting, um, one if not more be on these committees and be a part of those changes and it talked about this in the chapter that you know we have a unique perspective because while we don't see our kids every day all day like a classroom teacher we see them if you're at a school for a long time long term and Mm -hmm. so we get to know the families in the community in a very different way right so we have a unique perspective so I think it's just that importance of making sure that you know Yes, it might be extra time on a committee. And sometimes, again, we have to protect ourselves. If you are at two different schools, you can't be on committees at both right. schools. And,
0: and one of the reasons I brought this up is because uh, we want to change the world, right? Yes. And I think that we have to, again, this is me being realistic and pragmatic, is that when I think about teachers and administrators, I do think that teachers have most of um, the influence. Yes. When it comes to day to day. Yes. <clears throat> but, but I not think school, the whole school, yeah, but school administrators, they need to think big picture yeah. and they need to have a vision. Yeah. And this is why like we got a new principal this past school year and we spent so much time revisiting our mission statement. Mm-hmm. And at first, like most I mean, my initial reaction was like, wow, I need to be in my classroom. I have stuff to do. Why am I, like, arguing over verbs in this mission statement? However... That's really important, and it's really important that it's a collaborative decision, and it's the administrator who needs to like make that happen. And you think, well, who cares about the mission statement? But if it's something that you post, if it's something that you talk to the community, not just the students, not just parents, but if it's a community thing that we're aware of, I think that's when administration really, they have to lead that work. Yes. And it's important work, even though I think... I could be making my class lists, you know, my seating charts or looking at my scope and sequence right now. This is really important stuff. Yeah.
1: And I think that's, it's just, it's, it's the reminder to be bold and not be afraid to speak up and... If you are in a school community where you are made to feel less than because you are the music teacher, you have to fight against it. And you can't just sit back and say, oh, well, no one's going to listen to me because I'm a music teacher. I mean, I have had that feeling before. I I understand that that feeling. But that's why it's all the more important to be bold and speak up and and get involved. um, Because... I think the point hit home that it's like I can make my classroom this lovely haven and this place where my students feel safe and and welcomed and and seen and heard, but if that's only happening for 45 minutes of their day, am I really enacting the change that I want to enact? Right. And that's a hard truth to to think about.
0: Yes. Um, And then I also wanted to bring up this bit that you and I talked a little bit about off mic, and now I can't find it. Um, the specific vignette about uh, Claire asking, oh. Uh, oh, here we go. I'm gonna.
1: It's about the tough conversations. Yes, right? it's about courageous
0: conversations. So I'm yeah. on page 112. I started talking to my friend who's African American, who was teaming with me, and I said, "Help me get this. I just don't get it. Help me get it. I get some of it, and I think that's another thing you can do is to get to know your colleagues that are different from you. Spend some time listening to them. You'll learn things that you." we're just uh, oblivious to okay (laughs) yes but yes but yes Yes, and (laughs) yes and um so i well i was frustrated by reading that because i'm like well maybe if you tell me what but i guess that's off the topic it's like what is this it you're talking about but i guess the the point is
1: yeah
0: the point is like if you don't understand something somebody ask someone who specializes in minority culture because they are one and that's not always a good, we cannot ask. We can't put the work on our
1: black and brown educator friends to do that work for us. Exactly.
0: And it depends on what the it is. So right. that's why that's I true. pushed back against If it's a that.
1: specific question, like I am performing this choral octavo we've talked about, cultural appropriation and and dialect right Right. and choral octavos and so so if I'm feeling uncomfortable and I don't know how to have my students sing this particular passage I might reach out to a colleague who I know specializes in spirituals and Mm -hmm. and dialect and if that's a specific thing that I know they're knowledgeable in I can do that but just generally me reaching out to a black educator on Instagram and be like explain culturally responsive teaching to me because I'm white and I don't get it like that's not right well
0: I think the bottom line is if it's something you can Google yeah like there was another story yeah in the same chapter there was another story about an orchestra teacher who was talking to an african-american parent who said well you know I bet you don't have a lot of uh, um,
1: violin students yeah you probably don't students. have as many
0: string students that you want because there's that whole thing about um, the slave, playing, the slave for the playing for the master. Mm-hmm. And she and, and the teacher was like, I didn't know about that. And then I went and researched it. So there yeah. you go. There's something. However, if you can Google it, go do it. You don't say, well, tell me more about all that. Like, we're not going to put upon anyone to educate us. right? And then also I think it needs to be said that if you happen to be in a conversation with someone who is of any minority – um, and who gives you some information, they're one person. Yeah. They are not a monolith. Yes. So you can't, and I see this all the time on Facebook, but you can't say, well, my one Asian friend says it's okay to use chopsticks. Right. As, um, you know, to drum on plates. Yeah. And so I'm going to do it because my one friend said that they don't mind. Right. Right. Totally. Totally.
1: Yeah. We just, we have to be willing to accept and, and have those conversations with a wide variety of people, but more importantly we have to be willing to do the work ourselves.
0: Yeah, and, and so this whole chapter, um, it was it was good to see the bigger picture. I don't know I mean I don't know. I don't I don't know beyond my own classroom and my own instruction and the work that I do with other teachers in the district. Um specifically my schools, I'm not sure how much I can influence as just one person.
1: Right. That is, that's the hard part. And,
0: and not because, not just because I'm just one person, because I think that you can do a lot and you, you can plant seeds, but when I'm not there next week, like if I have some kind of courageous converse conversation with, um, another teacher or, you know, a group and okay. And let's move forward and do this. And then I'm gone for a week right that's that's a challenge in
1: our in our I would say unique position of being traveling teachers but I don't think it's as unique as maybe I once thought Uh it's it's hard to really fully immerse yourself in the climate and culture of a school when you're at multiple schools yeah and you have to find a
0: balance and then part of me pushes back and goes, okay stop making excuses Tanya do what you can right
1: yeah and I mean, I'm still on a committee at my home school, and that's where I feel like you know the way it works in our district is we we have a home school and then we have a school that we travel to, so we're not at them equally. so I'm not expected to necessarily get super involved in what's going on at the traveling school. Mm-hmm. I try to make an effort to make sure I'm aware of what's going on, and I get to know the kids as best as I can, well, you know of course, we all do the best we can, but we're Still learning and growing. The point is, <laughs> I still feel very invested in my homeschool and making sure I'm on committees. And even if it's a week where I'm at my traveling school, I'm still paying attention to the meetings and the things that are going on. And I might attend a meeting virtually at my homeschool, even if I happen to be at my traveling school. That yes, week, I've right? done that too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the reality of we go back to what's best for kids, right? 100%. Right. And sometimes we have to put Our needs slightly aside, but then we also know the importance of balance. I don't know the
0: answer to any of that. Well, it's just important to think about it. (laughs) It is important to think about it. And now it is time for our coda because we have all this summertime time. (laughs) We are enjoying. We are reading. We are watching. TV we are doing things right yeah I mean we're not right now because we're getting ready to teach Kodai well that's Levels. what I was about to
1: say <laughs> yeah that time that's is... kind
0: of it's gone now
1: I have had lots of lovely summertime by the pool yeah and then we also go to the lake by our house but the lovely part about it is my children are old enough that they can swim on their own and I can sit and read books Yes, which is wonderful. It is. So that's my recommendation. It's a book that you bought me, Tanya. I know, and you've read it too. I so have. the book I finished recently is *The Likeness* by Tana French, who wrote the Dublin Murder Squad books, which mm-hmm. is a series. But you don't necessarily you don't have to don't read, have them, to in read them in order. There's some overlap of characters, and there are some references in *The Likeness* to the first book, which is something about woods
0: in, in yeah woods. see I don't I have not read the other ones right
1: and okay so I will say I read the first one, Oh, you which did which is oh see now I don't have it in front of me it's is it like in the woods <laughs> something about woods I wrote book. I read two books that I just both want to start very... singing Sondheim <laughs> yes in the woods by Tana French is the first book in the Dublin so Lirters you read one. that one I, I read that one first and the main character she's in that one yes and then now I mean, the main she's character this from one. the likeness yes Yes, Cassie. Okay. So anyways, what I was going to say... Oh, sorry. Just dropped my phone. That was probably really loud in the microphone. Okay. <laughs> sorry, people. Um, I liked the likeness better. And mm. I say that because I, I let my mother-in-law borrow In the Woods, and she had the same reaction to me, which was like, I liked it, but I'm not sure I liked the ending, and there was some stuff in it that was, like, a little icky. Where this one, the likeness, is not quite so icky, not quite so murdery, um, it's creepy without being too gruesome, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah. Which is, I, I like that. I can handle some gruesomeness, but I know like you, Tanya, you're not
0: such a fan. No, if we get real bloody, I got to go.
1: Yeah, no, and this wasn't at all. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I am going to continue reading the books. I'm going to read them in order just because cool. why not? But um, yeah, the likeness is and, really good. Um, so
0: I read that book, but I did a, I like to do this half and half thing where I had the audiobook too. too oh. and I had the book checked out from the library so I would like read it you know read yeah and then I would be so engaged I was like oh my gosh but now I gotta drive somebody to a piano listener, or do dishes yeah. and then I could listen to the audiobook. and the audiobook, really good
1: oh I can I can see that um I got to a certain point in this book where I knew it was it was all gonna come to a head you know mm-hmm. like towards the end and I told my family I'm reading tonight leave me alone Right. And I went upstairs, and I shut the door, and I read, like, the last quarter of the book uninterrupted, like, leave me alone, because I knew I was at that
0: point. Yeah, I listened to the last quarter of the book, and it was great with the Irish accent of Oh, I narrator. can imagine that, yeah. Oh, it was so well done. And, you know, it's funny, because I was going to read another one in the series with audiobook, I would, yeah. and then I listened to the sample... And it was read by a narrator with an English accent,
1: ah, not an Irish accent. And that would throw me off. I said, no,
0: can't do it. I'll no. have to read this and not listen to it because, no.
1: Because in my head I was hearing an Irish accent for sure and that's when what I was we need. reading it. Yeah. So, anyways, it's really good it's if such you're a looking good book. for a good little murder mystery type creepy book to read, but not being too creepy. But not, it's not gross. It's good. And not scary. And you don't have to read the first one to enjoy this one. Right. It's and it nice won't wake it. you up in
0: the middle of the night. No, not at all yeah okay tanya your turn all right i'm gonna cheat a little and i'm just gonna throw two tv shows out there okay okay why is that cheating well because it's two things so a while ago i had mentioned in a coda i don't know which um episode it was but i had mentioned the show never have i ever yes and which i watched and i i watched it was great i watched it with my whole family even my kids and yeah even though there's lots of talk talk about sex it was still it's it's okay. My
1: husband really liked this show, too, which okay. I am well, really Okay, well, season sweet.
0: two is coming. Is it coming? Next week? Oh, yay. Yeah, just in time for my birthday. Okay. So, actually, over the last two days, me and my family rewatched it. So, we've seen all of the episodes from um, season one twice. Yeah. And it is just such a great book. Um, sorry, TV series. Yeah. Narrated by John McEnroe, which yes. is kind of out there but I want to watch the first
1: season again before I watch the second one yes because it was one of those things we binged watched it so fast I feel like I missed yes things. and one of
0: the creators is Mindy Kaling yeah and it centers around an Indian teenager um in the San Fernando Valley in California and just uh her her day-to-day life um, but her father is recently deceased. Yes. yes. And so um, it's really funny. It's, it's very
1: funny. It's so clever.
0: There's lots of language, though. I mean, like yeah, she, yeah. she says the S word and, sure. and, you know, whatever. It's a great little coming-of-age show. And yes. So speaking of also um, TV that has language, um, <laughs> I also want to shout out to We Are Lady Parts. Oh, this is on Peacock because you know I had to join Peacock because I had to see um, the Girls rest Spy of Beba. Girls Five <laughs> and once I was in, well, you know how that goes. Yeah. So We Are Lady Parts is a sitcom type show based on an all female Muslim punk band.
1: Wow, that's so fun! It is
0: so fun. Yeah. They, it is so funny. Um, and it is so real and the music is really good. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you have to hear Voldemort under my hood scarf because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a tune that you're like, you hear the title and you're like, that can't be good. It is such it a is good so tune. Good. The music in this is just so much fun. And you know, there's, there's some language. It's punk. It's, pu- they're a punk that. band. Um, but it's just amazing Uh, awesome show you're
1: convincing me to get peacock yeah because i watched the first three episodes of girls five and then they cut it off yes and then they cut it off so i've been debating do i want to spend money and now between that and this show i think i do
0: yeah it's a good show okay We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
1: If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we will be wrapping up our book club by discussing chapters 7 and 8, which is also the conclusion from Culturally Responsive Teaching and Music Education from Understanding to Application by Constance McCoy and Vicki Arlind. And we're going to make a slight adjustment to the schedule that we put out earlier in the summer because, you know, we Life realized happens. that, yeah. well, well, we're both teaching at the Colorado Kodai Institute in the next couple of weeks, and we just know we're going to need a little extra time to, to read and, and be ready. So our, our goal is around... August 2nd or 3rd so Mm -hmm. midweek of that week we will release this episode and then on Saturday August 7th we are going to have a live book club meeting on some sort of platform yet to be (laughs) decided at 3 o'clock mountain time where you who have been reading along with us are invited to join us and we will post a link to that and everyone is welcome to join where we can kind of just have a final discussion about the book and, and invite you to join that conversation so, yes. we will post all that information on our Facebook and Instagram uh, platforms once we know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy music.